It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. The offseason forges ahead, and we take a look not only at the incoming talents of TJ Warren, we've got Edmund Sumner. Why not a little flashback to Royce O'Neal? What are the Brooklyn Nets putting around maybe the returning stars or the rookie class as they move forward into uncertain waters? And speaking of rookies, we know that Summer League is going to get underway at the end of the week. We can talk about some of the expectations for our young players on the roster. And of course, come on, a little bit of conversation about some trades. Donovan Mitchell, anyone? All coming up right after the theme music. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, it's the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you're going to find the well-sunned and seasoned Doug Norrie, owner-operator DFSR for all your daily fantasy sports rankings. DraftKings, FanDuel, he's got you covered. His pale-faced companion is me, Adam Armbrecht, breaking down the New York football giants on the One Giant Podcast with my boy Andy Mack. We thank you for making your, us your first listen of the day and let you know today's episode is going to be brought to you by Arcade 1UP because they are partnering with us, the Locked On Nets podcast, to give away three free NBA Jam Shack machines. That's right, three. These are the guys known for making the incredible retro three-quarter scale at-home arcade games like Pac-Man, Golden Tee, and many more. Enter to win on Arcade1Up.com slash Locked On. That's Arcade1Up slash Locked On for your chance to win one and win one we shall, Doug, as we enter into the podcast landscape taking a bit of a timeout from those trade conversations to highlight that the Brooklyn Nets are, in fact, making some free agent moves. Yeah, look, I don't know. You know, I started to think that, like, maybe they're making some moves because they see, uh, well, we've always said that they were making, you know, they have to pretty much just try to win going forward here, have to try to construct the team. It does seem like that's what they're still in the mode to do. Made a couple interesting signings here on Tuesday that were, I thought, pretty well received, all things considered. And we'll talk about those guys. They signed TJ Warren to a one-year contract. 
They signed Edmund Summer to a one-year contract. Both guys coming off season and season-long injuries from last year. I did make a joke over on Twitter that was actually pretty well received, which was uh, if you didn't play basketball all last year, the Nets are definitely interested in you <laughs> because now they have <laughs> now they got Simmons, they got a little T.J. Warren, they got Edmund Summer. Who else knows who didn't play last year that might be coming to the team? So we'll talk about these additions and what they mean. But I think all things being equal, that adding these guys signals at least the you know the desire to try to get into the reclamation game a little bit try to you know shoot for some of the upside that these guys have shown or floor even that these guys have shown in the past with the ability to maybe like have them be key pieces if the team stay together so i think on a high level before we can talk about each guy i yeah. i'm into i'm into these i'm into these kinds of moves these are just the kind of moves the nets should be making here in free agency low risk high reward you know Low floor if the injury stuff crops back out up, but you're not so worried on like one year contracts to shoot a little upside. No, I think you know we talk about wanting to stay competitive. I mean, T.J. Warren he has a track record of being a legitimate starting NBA player. You go oh. back to the to the two years prior to. Um, sorry, something come up? Oh yeah, well, I was just thinking. Yeah, no, it didn't come up. I was I was gonna comment about bubble T.J. Warren. Um, oh, bubble like, TJ. Yeah, bubble yeah, TJ yeah. Warren. Well, let, me keep, let me just tell you real quick what this guy did in the bubble. I, I sorry to cut you off, but I just got excited because no, no. I like this guy. They get into the bubble March or August first. Drops fifty three on the on the Sixers. Then goes for thirty four against the Wizards. Then goes for thirty two against the Magic. Uh, two days later, goes for thirty nine against the Lakers. Best defense, the lead uh, champion that year. Uh, and that was and then it kind of tailed off for him in the playoffs. But he had a stretch there in the bubble where you're like, is TJ Warren like the next top ten player in the league? <laughs> like it was it was so crazy. So sorry to interrupt you, but I just got uh I got giddy about bubble bubble version of TJ Warren, and then we basically never saw him again. Uh, pun up, pun T setup there intended by by yours truly. But I so that you know it, it, there is a world where there's a bonus episode with me talking uh, with Tony Hees from Locked On Pacers, getting some insights around these two players. Who knows, technology may never allow it. But the <laughs> two years leading up to the injury uh, for TJ Warren, he had he had been very up and down with his three point shooting, and then yep. seemingly found his rhythm up over forty percent for back to back seasons. The volume is there in that regard. If healthy. He kind of is the model of player that you always wanted the Brooklyn Nets to have with or without the superstars. Some 3 and D ability, plays out on the wing. I think obviously plugs in perfectly to be able to be a starter in a post-trade era for the Brooklyn Nets. And to your point, it's not a long-term commitment. The guy is going to want to maximize everything he gives you to get his market value back up in another year from now. So it's the thing that keeps you competitive in the short term and doesn't tie you long-term to anything where maybe two years from now you go, geez, what we don't need is an old TJ Warren when we want to move in the direction around young players. Yeah, so the Warren thing's funny because when he was with Phoenix, like he was like this mid-range player that could get to the rim and he never shot threes, right? Yeah. So, and then in his final year, in his final year with, uh, with Phoenix, he ended up starting to actually just from beyond the arc actually make it a part of his game and it yeah. turns out he was like really good at it and people <laughs> and which which made the way that he they facilitated a trade to the Pacers look really weird at the time because they were like oh you maybe just finally found something and you then you kind of didn't want any part of it because uh the Pacers got TJ Warren and then I forget exactly what they gave away maybe it was like a higher end pick or maybe it was just cash considerations I'll look that up real quick but regardless by the way uh, TJ Warren was the 14th overall pick in, in his draft class like this is a first round talent in the NBA 
Yeah, sorry, and I was correct. It was for cash considerations, which was like a total head-scratcher, but in line with the Suns at the time, who were just like sort of more concerned about money than they were about winning. And like, that's changed a little bit with CP3 and whatever. But remember, like, they just, they basically just punted on this guy because you're like, oh man, you finally like turned this guy into something. If he's 43% from beyond the arc on more than four attempts per game, 18 points, like he can play some defense, it's not great. And then they just were like, well, we don't really feel like paying him, so you can go to the Pacers. And then he basically repeated it in that first season with the Pacers shot 40% from three, a few fewer looks from, from beyond mm-hmm. the arc, but still, uh, you know, scores ends up scoring 20 points a game. The usage goes up a little bit, and then he deals with the foot issue uh, at the beginning of two seasons ago, and so and basically sat out all last year. So he's he's been out of the game for a long time, but like there was this part of his game that did seem to be sort of shifting. Like, he just became a better shooter. This is what it was. He just became a better shooter. Like, the three-point shooting got better. The foul shooting got better. Everything just got better, basically, when he hit his age 26 season. And 25 season, which is where you see a progression sometimes from players if they can stick around long enough. It's like, this is where you see the growth start to happen. Then, unfortunately, the foot hurts. Or he said the foot hurts. <laughs> He's like, oh, my foot hurts. So I can't play. Sorry. The foot injury. <laughs> Got it. I'd be like, leave it in. to look up that medical. Leave that it medical in as punishment. Dictation. I'll just, like, leave yep. <laughs> uh, I'm a can... doctor. My foot hurts. Go ahead. No, oh, my foot hurts. I can't play for two years. The um, No, but, and, and that is the concern, right? Like, the foot injuries tend to just kind of keep happening, right? Because you yep. use them all the time. <laughs> so, um, but... If you can dream a little bit about that sort of efficiency, if you can dream a little bit around sort of the all-around game that he has, then you just have to love the signing with the understanding that if it doesn't work out, it was probably worth the effort. Yeah, 100%. I I don't see how there's a downside to this. And and the the irony is, and I think we can fold it into just this overall perspective because us tapping in just kind of where the fan base is as the offseason goes, and it seems like the big superstar trade conversations are going to get put mildly on pause. and, And we've said... There's, a, there's plenty of time for that and plenty of time for, for more teams to get involved. The, the weird thing I'll say is that if you are a fan who's holding on to this idea of, well, maybe, maybe it all gets you know fixed, at least for a year, and Kyrie and Katie stick around and we see what we have, TJ Warren's a great piece to have around those players and Ben Simmons. He's also perfectly fine to have those guys are gone. So in this regard... We, we wanted to know what is Sean Marks going to do? What is this organization going to do? This looks like moving in a positive direction and doing it in a way that you can kind of hedge your bets a little bit, which is a good thing. And I will say that this move, and then we'll touch on, uh, obviously, uh, Sumner here in a second, moves like this to me. And maybe you can tell me if, you think, if I think I'm nuts here. The fact that the organization is making moves, to me, indicates, because we had had this conversation, Sean Marks isn't going anywhere. Like, you don't let this GM start to make these signings in the background if you think we're maybe going to move off of him, maybe we're going to move off of Steve Nash. Steve Nash could still be a TBD, but Sean Marks is going to be the GM for this team, at least in the short term here, regardless of what happens with Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving. Yeah, there's been no signal that, like, Sean Marks is even on the hot seat right now. No. If any, if anything, right. they've chosen Marks over, you know, over the other, or at least Cy has, cho- has chosen Marks over you know the superstars or they're yep. calling some kind of weird bluff here like who knows what's going to happen one more thing about tj warren before we um get into Sumner is that mm-hmm. it, it is worth noting that warren was basically available to come back last year like he's still not rehabbing the injury the injury was basically rehabbed last season but the pacers were in the tank at that point and did not right. want to 
one, probably get him re-injured, but more importantly, did not want to win any games. And so re- so bringing him back with like 10 or 12 games, sorry, I guess I'm going to scream in the background, uh, bringing him back with 10 to 12 games left in the season just wasn't going to be worth it. So the so, timeline, Just I just want to make sure like people are clarified on the timeline of the injury. He's like not just coming off a rehab now. Yes, he has not played, but... It looked like I, it looked like he could have played last year, and the and the Pacers were like, "Hey, this is not part of the plan. So yep. don't get re-injured. Keep it on. You can pay for the rest of the season, and you'll go out into free agency. And maybe that just helps you in free agency, frankly, yeah. like that, that more than hurts you, right? Because sometimes not seeing it's better than seeing it, <laughs> and like just makes the heart grow fonder, especially with situations like this. And you look, all these guys get worked out and all this other stuff, so I, I get it, but. Um, like the Nets aren't just going in here blind, but I just wanted to point that one piece out about the, the injury timeline. Okay, uh, we're gonna get to add some Ed, Edmund Summer, Summer stuff. Get this from Royce O'Neal stuff too. First, gotta talk to you about our friends over at Arcade One Up. You heard Adam talk at the beginning of the show. NBA Jam is back. Arcade One Up is a leader in home retro arcade games. They're bringing back the best game ever, and they've supersized it with a Shack Edition machine. Uh, remember, NBA Jam was one of the first games ever to feature real and digitized NBA licensed teams. I said this many times NBA Jam was the actual jam at the time. It was a must-have for every kid's basement uh, when we were rocking it. No fouls, no free throws, no quarters required for this one. You compete with friends and family on the all-new Wi-Fi leaderboards, making you more connected than ever. You have to go to Arcade1Up. That's Arcade, the number one, up.com. And you're going to get an estimated early September ship date, so you got a couple months to get that in there. Just going for just $399. $399, an absolute steal for this kind of machine. They have Golden Tee and Mortal Kombat as well. You get in there. They're giving away an NBA Jam Shack edition to a locked-on listener. Uh, it's perfect addition to the man cave. Go to arcade1up.com slash locked-on. That's what arcade, the number one, up.com slash locked-on. You had until July 8th, so basically this week, get in there to enter an NBA Jam Shack edition console. Arcade1up.com slash locked-on. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Get over here, Mortal Kombat reference, and let's talk about the other player that the Brooklyn Nets brought in, and that's one Edmund Sumner, also going to be coming off of of an injury scenario, but um, I will say all indications are on, like, this is a kid who also had an ACL injury uh, in college before he came out in the draft. If he is healthy, 25 years old, I... Again, this feels like a great complimentary player, but also a guy that you can kind of take the wheels off and let him go go full tilt for you and maximize his value in terms of helping your team win games. He's not your he's not a traditional point guard. He's not going to set up your offense for you, but he works well in transition. He's a good slasher off the ball. And again, while the three-point shooting percentage only you can point to on a relatively small sample size on 2021 Still hit a good percentage from beyond yeah. the arc. You can th- hopefully build on that, though his shot has been, from, from all indications, inconsistent over the early portion of his career. 
Yeah, uh, Chris Mulholland, friend of the podcast over at Nets Daily, did a really nice little breakdown about uh, Sumner coming over. Actually, interviewed the trainers that worked with him through the recovery. Uh, and I, you know, we don't talk about this a lot, but it is worth reading. Like Chris did a really good job reporting about this and just talking about what it meant to like rehab all the stuff for Sumner. And they Love said, this. and in that in that reporting, they mentioned that like the Nets were really impressed with the burst. They were really impressed with the speed. Like the athleticism seemed to be fully back. We know that ACL tears at this point are just kind of commonplace and they players have been able to come back from this basically full strength or sometimes better. So like ACL tears, and this is basically known at this point, but ACL tears just, you need not think of those as like sort of the debilitating career ending injury that they used to be. That's just simply not the case with this, uh, with this kind of stuff, regardless, some there, well, one thing that's kind of getting forgotten with some of these, um, with some of these talks and some of these trade rumors is that the Nets are like pretty thin at guard right now. They're not thin on shooters. Like, you know, they have Harris that coming back. They have Curry. Obviously, if Kyrie were to come back, is a huge if. But think about their roster. Like, after these guys, there are like no guards on the team. Now you want to think of Ben Simmons as the guy who's going to initiate offense because like he did play, you know, quasi point guard for for the Sixers. But beyond him, like they really don't have much in the way of ball handling, especially if these if these guys were to trade. And then you think if it's like a, if it's a deal for like Aiton or Bridges, that's not bringing you back any guards either. So right. getting guys like Sumner, even though they aren't like you said a traditional on ball point guard, at some point they need some guys who can just dribble. And they the the roster is kind of thin on that. So I actually wouldn't be surprised to see another move or two because they have a couple other roster spots to fill still another move or two that brings in another guard. Maybe not exactly in this vein, but this is all to say like the Nets need to sign guards. Like I, and this is another kind of reclamation project. Didn't get tons of run with the Pacers because the way they were set up with their guard situation at times. But when we start to think about guys who could leave the Nets with more value than they came, which was a hallmark of this organization for years. And it's how they basically righted the ship by Every guy basically that left, left more valuable than when they came to the Nets. Yes, the player development situation is completely different now. That probably a lot of times could be attributed to Atkinson. But the hope here is that like this is another one like example like that. Oh, yeah. And I, I think you, you hit that, that point there at the end of this just this feels like the Brooklyn Nets organization dialing back the clock to what they did to lead up to the point of being an attractive landing spot for superstar talent around the NBA. Bring in guys, buy buy low, and then be able to sell high. Like that, 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 that was their mantra for a number of years before they were able to get in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and try to go for that championship. And in some way, it's like... Get back to what you know, right? Like yeah. Sean Marsh goes, and right back to home base. I look around the league. I try to make smart, low-cost decisions that hopefully we capitalize on. And guess what? Not every one of them is going to turn into a beautiful butterfly, but the handful that do, you're going to be able to maximize. And I will say on a player like this, because you mentioned the guard room. Obviously, we know Cam Thomas. And here in the third segment, we'll get into um, the summer league that's upcoming and I think some interesting storylines oh, to follow. Yeah, no, that's all right, though. Yeah, no, and I know, but, but, but by the way, though, even including Doug did not forget that he's on the roster, oh, but no, including no, him no. in the group, you still you still look at the group of guards and go, well, Patty Mills got brought back. That's not a ball handler. You, you know, he can't be running this yeah. for you. He's undersized. Joe Harris is not a ball handler, by the way. He's a guy you want to stand and spot up shoot. Even when you think about that, what will be fascinating to me is Sumner, I think, is a great opportunity potentially 
if, if we assume the big trade for the stars here, that Sumner could have a great season. And then next year, dial it forward when the Nets have money, he's a candidate to actually be able to stick around on this roster for a while. Like I think TJ Warren, if we're going to look at these two guys, since they both came from the Pacers, TJ Warren's a guy, I think, high likelihood one and done. Get maximum value out of you for this year, and then you go and you spread your wings somewhere else. Whereas a guy like Sumner, if he comes in and looks good, I think that there's going to be value where he ends up being in the vein of a Spencer Dinwiddie, a Joe Harris, a Bruce Brown. You bring this player in, you get really good run out of him for a few years, and then if he moves on, so be it. But that stopgap that the Nets need, that's what both these players in different ways represent. Yeah, it's funny about these guys and like what the selling point is on the Nets right now. If you think about them from a free agent standpoint and why like this kind of player would be attractive to them and slash like why the, this situation would be attractive to the player. You can sell guys and some there's a little different than Warren here because Warren has a track record of like, hey, I can just like get buckets at the NBA level and I can be a scorer and I've just like proven that. You can but sell I, but I won't bu- get to necessarily get the vo- same volume of opportunity on a but, contending but, team. To showcase maximum value. But you might, though, right? So, like, it's like, like, there's like a world where this could be have your cake and eat it too. You -hmm. could actually rehab and be like the third, fourth best player on like a really good team if everything sticks together, right? Mm -hmm. Or we blow this thing up a little bit and now you'll get to really cook because like we're going to be in a team in transition and we want to boost your value a little bit and like whatever it is, right? So like a player like him, you can sell them on a couple different scenarios that kind of all work, right? Like you'll be able to rehab here and we're either like a really good team or you kind of control a lot of the scoring, right? Some they're a little yep. different than that because he doesn't have quite the track record. He's not quite the same player, but you can start to sell these like mid-tier veterans that whose values have kind of dipped because of injury or because of other playing time situations. I do think that like, it's a shame because in previous iterations, this was not the kind of guy they were going after. They were going after like the like the old player, like the the veteran the veteran guy. And we saw that. I mean, thank God they're not doing it again. I, it would be crazy if they did. But we saw that that is not really a viable strategy, right? <laughs> like yeah. it's not really like there's a total shelf life on that strategy. It's mostly not going to work. Maybe it buys you some favors around the league although we've seen now that that didn't matter because everyone wants to be traded so the, thanks for the favor great yeah exactly so it's like <laughs> so thank god they're not doing that like i do feel just to kind of put a bow on this and like you said at the beginning this feels like getting back to what they did well in the past and like this was the this is like the like this sumner thing is like the bruce brown move it's like yep it's like hey this is like a guy who got some reps in their team it wasn't really going to work out over there maybe you come over here and we figure out a role for you, right? Like that, like it's that kind of move that feels is happening here. Uh, like, Dinwiddie too, to some degree. Um, Cause remember he was like basically out of the league. He was like a G leaguer and they, yeah. and they picked him up and, and turned him into a guy who absolutely got paid. So I, I do feel like just to, like I said, put a bow on it. I feel like that's what they've kind of gotten back to. By the way, eight points over 16 minutes of, of, of game action for a guy like Sumner. Like, this is a guy yeah. that can go score for you, which is important. And um, to your, you know, the funny thing is, <laughs> my own bow, because you always need two bows. Um, they're getting back to the things that they did well. And you would argue that over these last few seasons, the lesson learned should have been we never should have stopped yes. doing that. That always should have been something that was a part of our practice, and you can see that around the league in teams that have had success. Even when they have superstars, they still do the things well. Look for value buys, develop young talent, so you know you're always keeping yourself even keel throughout. 
Yeah, and like, and remember, Bruce Brown did come along in that same timeline, but again, like, so did Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge and Goran Dragic and all these guys that, like, and I get it. I get why it was sort of seen like a good idea at the time, but it is, you are correct. Sticking to the, sticking to the core ideas before would have been the probably better short-term and long-term play. <laughs> like, whereas, <laughs> right, right. whereas those, whereas this other, like the Paul Millsaps, James Johnson's, and all the guys that I mentioned before who are basically, you know, one step in the basketball grave at this point, it was just not, it just, it just didn't end up working. Okay. Yep. Uh, we got more to talk about here. Like, we'll try to get to Royce O'Neal. Um, possibly maybe talk a little summer league. We'll see what we get to first. Going to talk to you about our friends over at betonline.net, your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. I'm going to give you some good news here. The other day, the Brooklyn Nets over at BetOnline were, I think, 16th in terms of championship odds. Folks over at BetOnline, the Nets have clawed their way back to ninth, plus 2,000 in terms of the championship odds. Could that mean that the, the, <laughs> the guys are sticking together here? I'm willing to take anything as a sign, but that's what kind of stuff the BetOnline has over there for you. Obviously, Major League Baseball every single night on the weekends. I got the MMA, the boxing, the golf. All of your favorite sports are available at BetOnline.net. You head on over to BetOnline.net. Uh, you'll learn about all the trends, all the action, all these future props. Obviously, when NFL gets started, they're going to be crushing it there as well. BetOnline, where the game starts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, and where we start, Doug, to wrap up this episode in some regards. You mentioned you mentioned the Summer League. Let, let's put a pin in that for a minute because I do okay. want to talk about Royce O'Neal. Summer League will kick off for the Brooklyn Nets on Friday, so we're definitely going to take a look at all these conversations. And inside that guard room, one of the things we'll talk about is a little bit of uh, DDJ, David Duke Jr. Where does he sit in this landscape of the guards and what the Nets may want to do going forward? And, of course, even Alondez Williams, who officially got signed to that two-way contract. Royce O'Neal. I have Take actually just a tease here. I have one thing that I'm speci- Oh, sorry. I have one thing I'm specifically looking for come summer league, uh, and I'll tell you that's oh. what that is tomorrow. Because there's one thing I'm going to know within first five minutes about what happened with summer league that is, uh, that I'm definitely, definitely, definitely tuned in for. So go because I yeah. and I'm curious to hear your reaction to it. But we'll get to it tomorrow. Double, nay, triple tease is going on here. Um, take away the first round pick for Royce O'Neal. Uh, j- examine him in a vacuum. Of <laughs> what is he as a uh, what is he as a player? Right, because as soon as you say Nets sent a first round a first round pick for Royce O'Neal, you go ah, I can't sign off on that. Right, but they did it. He's here now, and even if it was a misstep in the vein of Kevin Durant's not going to request a trade here right before free agency, is he? Whoops, a daisy. Royce O'Neal, you can plug in all three of these players and look and say, oh, these might be kind of contingency plans for if several big-name players aren't on this roster. Yeah, so Royce O'Neal is not a great player. He's a fine player. He was probably miscast a little bit in Utah uh, where they had him like try to like range up at times to guard fours. 
and he is a long. He's long in terms of like his overall size. Like he's a six nine wingspan for a six five guy. But that was just like not the perfect role. He probably should be more in just like a strictly kind of small forward role uh, where he can just play basically three and D. Like he's just a three and yeah. D guy. Like that's that's what it is. He's again he's a little bit of a tweener in that he's probably a little too slow to guard like conventional threes or like the really good wings. Um, but he's a little too small to guard like up a, a level there, and that's where. Uh, frankly, this is like one thing that sort of hurt the Jazz is that like they yeah. needed a guy in his spot that was just a little bigger to like help out with the Gobert switches and to be able to do some of that stuff around the perimeter. And he and Bogdanovich were just weren't the guys. And this is what one of the reasons that the the Jazz sort of looked weird in the playoffs and they with Gobert on the court is because like that was kind of a problem. And then the help stuff was a problem too. Like the other yeah. the other defenders just weren't the right dudes. And so. Now, that being said, a guy like Royce O'Neal is a lot like what the Nets exactly needed in the playoffs last year against Boston. Like, this kind of guy playing in the Boston series, they kind of desperately needed because they needed a guy who could guard-ish some of the wings that those guys had, like Jalen Brown or uh, Jason Tatum, and could shoot threes. I mean, he's a pretty darn good three-point shooter. He shot 39% over the last two years at four attempts per game. Like that kind of spacing, plus the the little you know bits of defense that he brings, would have been a pretty good addition to the Nets last season. It's like again, yeah, remember, yep. like well, this is exactly what we were crying for last year. It's like they just need a guy like this. Either their shooters are too small, or the bigger guys can't shoot. And so, and like that was ended up being kind of the whole problem near the end. But anyway, so that's all to be. That's all to say. Like I, I hate that they sent out a first for it. Sending out the first when Durant asked for a trade 60 seconds later looks even worse. But like, if you were trying to sort of keep the band together here, he is a guy that you, it doesn't take much to envision like how he fits in with the team. Yeah. You, you, you don't have to squint too hard on TJ Warren or on Sumner and what their short-term value is a little bit more when it comes to a guy like Royce O'Neal. If, if the stars go out, you go, all right. And especially again, when you attack, when you attach that asset to it well, as well, and I'm well just gonna, what probably like what, like the worst case scenario with him, frankly, is that like, he'll, you'll never get a first back for him. I, like if they try to flip him again, they, they would right. never be able to do that. But maybe you get a I player think, back though, right? Or, or a second round pick. Like, I think mm-hmm. it like, that's the thinking it's like, okay, well this is going to be a low end first round pick. Because I think it's, I think it was the Sixers pick that they sent. Yeah. So like so it's gonna be like they're gonna be good. This pick's gonna be basically a second rounder anyway. Like, could we get a second round pick for him if it all goes wrong and another team just needs to add a wing? Like, yeah. So yeah. I think that like that's probably the line of thinking here, where you know he's not like he's super old. You know exactly what the skills are. It it, it fits in like there will be could be some team that would be important for the Jazz weren't incentivized to trade him last year. But like you could probably find a suitor if it went off the rail. So I think that's probably the way you think about it. Think about his tenure here. Royce O'Neal, Utah Jazz. Let's just listen, Doug. I can't I can't get out without doing it. And I figured it out. It's the Donovan Mitchell option. <laughs> and we talked about this a little bit yesterday. I, I, I'm going to actually paint a scenario here because we could dissect about whether or not the Brooklyn Nets and whether or not we would want the Brooklyn Nets to get back Donovan Mitchell. We can even touch back into that tomorrow. But I got to lay out this four-team spread that I put together because, get out your pen and as paper you know, here, we got folks. rookie extension issues. Yeah, you take take notes and also a little bit of arithmetic. But as you know, we have obviously Ben Simmons on the rookie extension. You also have uh, Donovan Mitchell on that, along with the Miami Heat and Bam Adebayo. Now, I had given Doug a version of this before the show. I cleaned it up. I made it better for him. 
If I told you that Kevin Durant and Donovan Mitchell end up on the Miami Heat, that Kyrie Irving makes his way to the L.A. Lakers, and as a proxy of getting Westbrook off there, they have to take back Kyle Lowry's 28 and change from the Miami Heat. The Jazz get Ben Simmons. Nice young player. If he's healthy, maybe that's a new cornerstone. They eat the Westbrook money from the L.A. Lakers. And the Brooklyn Nets get back Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, Horton Tucker, and they also grab uh, Bogdanovich on, on his expiring $19.5 million deal, and they do have to eat the two years remaining on Mike Connolly. Picks or whatever that are going to be included in and around that. But what I avoided here, fans, is the dreaded Brooklyn Nets have to eat Connolly and Lowry. Does, I mean, does that sound... That sounds like that works in a lot of ways, especially if you talk about Miami and saying, are we willing to give up Bam Adebayo? No way. Unless you tell me I plug in Donovan Mitchell with Kevin Durant and Jimmy Butler, now all of a sudden we have a viable window here to win multiple championships. I don't think it's enough for the Nets unless it's like overwhelmed with draft picks at that point. Um, like I Let's say they grab two or three first-round picks from the collection of teams, just to you know to put it in some type of context. So it's like basically Bam, Conley's dust, so like that's not, that means nothing to me. Yeah, it's, um, Bam, it's Bam and Hero with a Bam little bit Hero of Horton Tucker picks. upside. Yeah. For for Kyrie and I mean Kyrie, I guess is like no value. Um, I probably say no. Uh, that one is a little closer to me, I guess, because of Bam. Bam is never going to be your best player. If Bam's your second best player, we kind of saw what what happened with Miami with that. It's like yep. close but not good enough. Um, Hero, I think other people are higher on Hero than I am, so I that one doesn't really sweeten the pot for me. I, I yeah, he, if he's a guy. Like a, if you're a Tyler Hero stan, I kind of get it. Um, I'm just not, and so I. I think he's good. I just don't think he's like super. He's not a superstar in waiting. He's like a really nice microwave scorer that you can kind of play off the court in the playoffs. Most critically, the Brooklyn Nets do not have to take back Russell Westbrook's forty-seven million. Although yeah, I, I mean, will, I will contextualize it in the sense of I say you don't have to take back his forty-seven million, which is one year. You are taking back Connolly for two years. But I just think, as you said, in terms of value, whether or not Mike Connolly is dust. I think he'd at least he's a good locker room presence for young players, et cetera. Whereas Westbrook seems like a singular individual focused on on what he is about. Yeah, I think I say no. I think I say no. I appreciate the effort. I know you were grinding that thing. I know you were grinding the trade machine servers. They probably had to like flick the uh, spin up another (laughs) server to make sure it could handle the load. But uh, I all this to say. This is the way these, I think, these traits need to start to be looked at is at least a third team, if not a fourth, to be able to move money around, to be able to get net some draft capital or some players back. And you can't just open it up and go, oh, Kevin Durant to to Miami and no Bam Adebayo's coming back. I'll just tell you that right now. I I keep reiterating this. There's certain guys that are not coming back in these trades. We understand how good and valuable Kevin Durant is. No team is going to sacrifice what would be the championship element to their team in some of these players. So. And the Nets, to their credit, which is basically some reporting that came out over the last couple of days or today, basically, is that they're just not going to sell low. Like they're, it seems like they're willing, or at least the, the what they're putting out there now is they're willing to like not take these bad. I don't even think your deal is like terrible, but the um, they're not willing to take sub market value because they're like we'll just give it a try. You know, <laughs> yeah. like it's just not. It's just, and I I do appreciate that as at least a talking point for now because that should be the talking point. That should be yeah. like, hey. We're not obligated to do this. We're not going to do it just because he asked. Like, and if it's not good enough, you can just come back here and we can figure it out. And you know, give give us another season and we'll see how it goes. So, I think in the end, 
I'm at least encouraged that we're not going to wake up one morning to a Woj thing that's like something terrible, <laughs> right? <laughs> like something that just seems really bad. I hope. I, that's my hope right now. Who knows? Who knows how much pressure these guys put on? Okay. We'll talk hey, a little uh, more. Trade a day keeps the doctor away, by the way. That's why, yeah, that's why I include these. I'm, <laughs> I'm concerned about the fan well, base. Like, you did Enjoy. like seven trades. So you're like, I don't know. You're, you're headed. Let's at the fountain oh, of youth. Look how fit right. I am too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, make sure you subscribe over on YouTube. Much appreciated. Great numbers today on YouTube. Great numbers on the podcast too. It's really awesome for the po- post the, excuse me, the off season. Uh, just so encouraged to see everyone still kind of shipping in every day. Much appreciated. Like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and make sure you subscribe over on YouTube as well. You know, if you're going to become a true dodgeballer, then you've got to learn the five D's of dodgeball: dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodge. Patches O'Houlihan. Oh, one of the all-time great coaches and poets. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball. Members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.